What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Championship Round DFS MVP podcast, the final DFS MVP podcast of the 2022-2023 season. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of four, of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusted co-host, Mr. John Daigle, gearing up for this wonderful, uh, gambly, lotto-y two-game slate. Daigle, how are you feeling? There are some sneaky plays. I don't know if I necessarily qualify them as good options, but I'm, I'm going to have some lottery tickets that I'll have in quite a few lineups for this weekend. Yeah, the, the thing, um, if you read the intro articles that we've been doing for the playoffs, for the shorter slates, um, a lot of it is based around things like game flow, um, things like roster construction, uh, unique builds like leaving salary on the table. So as far as like the one-off sneaky plays, like it's going to be hard to have some sneaky ones. Uh, but there are some dart throws that we'll uh, sprinkle in throughout, uh, and we'll touch on those. As we've been doing the last couple of weeks, we'll go uh, game by game, uh, talk about uh, every exhaustive point we could think of in the game and how we are approaching this two game slate. I, I do think there are some ways um, to get somewhat unique uh, and let's just get right into it. Kicking off the early game, we have the Eagles favored by two and a half against the 49ers over under of 46 and a half in a two game slate. Most significant players are going to be owned. So as far as ownership goes, I, I think just talk about the 49ers side, the, um, the leverage that we can have in this game is at the onesie positions. Um, at quarterback and defense, we're going to kind of have bunched up with Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals, all kind of splitting ownership. And then Brock Purdy and 49ers defense kind of falling behind down in this like 12 to 15% range. So they will be the under own options at the onesie position. Same with Kittle. Kittle's projection is is similar to that of, of Goddard, um, but he's more expensive. He's, he, we have Goddard and, and Hurst way cheaper. Kelsey obviously get the big projection. So Kittle's going to fall back in ownership. So Niners have all of the onesie leverage. Um, how are you feeling about this game in general? I prefer personally this one to Bengals Chiefs, if only because we are expecting the Bengals side to catch the most ownership in this slate. Yep. Whereas I, th I think both everyone in, in large field tournaments is probably scared of both defenses here. But I will say I do think it's a pretty good spot to take a chance on Jalen Hurts. I would argue he has the highest ceiling in this entire slate, uh, A, 100%, Patrick Mahomes included. Also, Everyone has cited that he's only completed two yards, 20 yards down, two passes, 20 yards downfield the past couple of weeks and have been noting that that's due to injury. But also we know his three quickest times from snap to throw this year occurred in all three games against the Giants. So I would argue it's actually been game script sensitive and that's why he's getting the role, rid of the ball quickly since wink martindale was just blitzing his face off not only that do i expect him to have the ball in his hands at full health that way but as connor allen and i have noted throughout the week uh, on move the line in particular like this D'Amico ryan's defense for the niners hasn't really faced a mobile quarterback all year uh six for 50 marcus mariota reached on the ground played Justin Fields in week one but remember that was the torrential downpour but last year when they faced mobile quarterbacks not only did Justin Fields go over 100 yards but Jalen Hurts also had 10 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown so I think there is an ambiguous upside we should be chasing with his rushing floor as well and if that's the case 
we know that Dallas Goddard is likely checking in at the highest ownership among all tight ends, probably because, on DraftKings at least, probably because he's so cheap. It is hard to fit Travis Kelsey as well on FanDuel. 8,200, I mean, is Jalen Hurts' price practically. It's insane. Um, So Dallas Goddard, given the role and the price, definitely expecting everyone to play him. But at the same time, it's the Niners who have allowed the seven most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers on the year and receivers who have, who have had success against them, CeeDee Lamb and DK Metcalf in the playoffs included. So I actually want Jalen Hurts, and I think you can get unique with the receivers in this game, even including Quez Watkins, if we think it's going to be a heavy Jalen Hurts game. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to to talk about those pass catchers. Um, Jalen Hurts, obviously the quarterback um, on the slate that gives you the most rushing upside by a lot. Uh, but his pass catchers, Devontae Smith has led the team in targets over the past month, including the playoffs. Uh, but him and A.J. Brown are very similar in salary. I think people are going to see um, those salaries, see that A.J. Brown name. Right now I have them basically splitting ownership, which kind of makes sense at the same salary given their volume over the last few weeks. Um, like you said, Dallas Goddard will be right there with Travis Kelsey as the most popular tight end, kind of flip-flop them depending on the site. Um, oddly enough, DraftKings feels a little bit looser, um, which is contrary to what we're used to uh, throughout the season. And then as, as far as deep dart throws, I mean, I, I think it probably is only Quez Watkins. That for, we know the Niners like are the most dominant defense or have been the the best defense um, that remains in the playoffs. The one spot they have shown weakness has been against wide receivers. They rank 26 in schedule adjusted fantasy points against wide receivers. Um, So there probably is uh, a little bit um, of an advantage to be had there. So, I mean, if you are building on through the passing game on the Eagles side, how heavy are you going with Jalen stacks, knowing that we have what we think could be the shootout if Mahomes is healthy in the late game. I I want Jalen Hurst to be my highest roster player, given mm-hmm. what we think about the second game. Uh, I, I have a little less faith in Brock Purdy, even with only four quarterbacks in play here. And that's because Purdy, in what was his toughest test to date against the Cowboys, and I am someone who bet with him the entire way when everyone else did not believe in him, he arguably failed that test against Dallas. He went four for 12 for four and a half yards per attempt against pressure. Didn't turn the ball over, had a couple dropped interceptions. But Dallas sent the fewest blitzes of any team in the divisional round, and Brock Purdy was under pressure at the highest rate, telling us that you can get there with four guys. And yes, Dallas led the regular season and pressure rate when sending four pass rushers or less, but the Eagles are right there at fourth overall in the regular season sending four pass rushers or fewer than that. Not only that, but Eagles are the only defense to average over three sacks per game with four passers or less and a double-digit sack rate in that scenario. So I think it's going to be the same game script. Thus, Brock Purdy will be under the same amount of duress, and I am very concerned about the 49ers offense. But onslaughting Jalen Hurts through the receivers is my way to go. You mentioned A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. You see coming in equally, or at least that's what we're projecting right now, I still think Devonta may get, not lost, but 20 to 25% compared to like a 40% A.J. Brown. But just because of the way everything sets up, and even though T. Higgins has become like not even the 1B, he's just become the second receiver on the team, um, I can still see the, the Bengals and Chiefs options soaking up so much in that middle range that 
it's Devonte who kind of gets lost in the shuffle since everyone's going to play AJ Brown. If um if we're onslaughting Jalen, let's say Jalen plus three pass catchers, um, I, I'm assuming at the most we're bringing back one 49er um, with with the way you're you're thinking about their offense in that in that game flow in the onslaught, like one one bring whether it's CMC or a pass catcher, we're limiting it to one, right? Yeah, and it's hard. Yeah to not be on either Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel or both because that's where everything's going. And now we have no Elijah Mitchell at Friday's practice, Tevin Coleman working as the RB2. And so we're expecting Christian McCaffrey to handle every single touch. And so on a slate where I don't expect literally any running back to have production on the ground, none. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm this late, my overarching theme is to chase the receptions. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. And what better way to do that for the 49ers in particular than, of course, McCaffrey. And going back to Debo Samuel, we've now seen in five starts with Brock Purdy, Debo is carrying a team-high 25% target share. And the playoffs alone, he has 17 targets to Christian McCaffrey's 10. You can play George Kittle if you want, but... I don't really have a good reason to play him. I would only be playing him because we've seen a touchdown ceiling, even though even that only happened because Debo Samuel was out. But at least in a four-game slate, if everyone's going to keep playing you know, Dallas Goddard or try to get up to Kelsey, George Kittle's right in the middle to where I would just say, well, we've seen the ceiling before. Why the hell not? Yeah, the um, I, I'm glad you agreed with me if we're going four Eagles plus 149er. That goes back to our original point at the top. We're thinking of on these small slates. We're thinking about game flow and, and how these games play out, not necessarily just like player value. So I do think that the the Eagles onslaught build makes sense with just a single bring back. You mentioned you don't like running backs. I think it's a great four wide receiver week on both sites. Tight end, two tight end builds always get uh, inflated on these short slates. So you're not going to be super unique there. Um, I, I do want to go back to, you said rough week for running backs. The backfield for the Eagles has the toughest on paper matchup of the week. According to schedule adjusted fantasy points, 49ers allowed the fourth fewest running backs this season. We saw Kenneth Gainwell have a big game last week, over 100 total yards in the score. That was obviously in a blowout. I I like the Eagles' backfield probably less than any backfield on this late. Um, are you in concert with me there? Yes. I yep. just don't think Miles Sanders has any amount of production in this game. It also hasn't caught two passes since week nine. Uh, it, it's, it's not a situation where I'm chasing him. If he beats me, he beats me. That's fine. But the most – Rushing yards the 49ers have allowed all year is 67 to Josh Jacobs. Miles Sanders' prop opened at 56 and a half. It's already been steamed down to 49. He's just not a player I care about, even in a four-game slate. I, I agree with that. Um, here and uh, on our, our prop guys uh, have kind of been talking about the under on Miles Sanders' props pretty hard this weekend, so uh, that translates to DFS as well. Um, going to the Niners' side, as you mentioned, uh, another one of our betting guys, Sharp Clark, did a really – uh, a comprehensive write-up on why a potential game flow scenario is a 49ers blowout. Um, the the kind of thesis of the quick thesis of that, um, and, and you guys could go read the full article. It's like a thousand word write-up, but basically Eagles have faced uh, a very easy schedule when Jalen Hurts has been in losing expectation situations, basically playing from behind. Um, his efficiency has dropped exponentially and if the Niners can get ahead and take away the running game from the Eagles and put Jalen Hurts in uncomfortable situations uh, there is a chance that things spiral out of control I like building into that 
game flow. Um, it's not one that's going to like dominate our lineups if we're playing 150, but it's one that people aren't going to build around a lot. And I, I like the idea of building that way as well, because again, I, I don't like onslaughting this game from both sides. I think if either team gets ahead, um, it, it could be really tough for their team to play catch up for the reasons you stated for the Niners, for the reasons Sharp Clark stated for the Eagles. Both teams are basically going to try to control the game when they run. Um, one of my, but if that does happen, the say the Niners do blow out the Eagles in the fashion that he stated, I still don't think it's a it's a, um, a green light to onslaught Purdy. I think the way that happens is they get ahead early. Maybe Purdy gets one of his pass catchers to go off, whichever one you like, and then the 49ers defense has a good game, and one, if not both, of their running backs have a good game. So if you are going heavy on the Niners, I think it's Purdy, one pass catcher, the defense, and one or even both running back. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, the CMC practice today, um, Elijah Mitchell out carried him last week that had a lot to do with CMC's calf injury, but I think Elijah Mitchell is still in play, not just for the, the sake that, um, CMC's nursing that calf. He's still crazy involved in the passing game. Uh, but if they do get ahead in that scenario scenario that we laid out, I mean, there's no reason that Mitchell doesn't continue to get carries. So I think this is one of two spots where you could play two running backs on the same team together. Yes, though we saw in that month with Elijah Mitchell out, uh, Christian McCaffrey was basically an every touchback, and the the spits the splits are skewed just because the Niners built some massive leads, and thus it became like a Jordan Mason trickle down in garbage time. Uh, but you know, we we do have one like relevant sample. They were in a competitive game in Week 15, and McCaffrey out touched Mason 32 to four. So I almost think we get that, but in the case of Tevin Coleman. But since we know Tevin Coleman, this happened without McCaffrey in the first few games, but we do know he was there receiving back whenever Mitchell was out previously. So maybe like Tevin Coleman does catch a few passes. And honestly, that's probably all you need on this slate. Yeah, I actually like CMC the most in, um, and and I agree with you. I, I think Elijah Mitchell makes the most sense in the scenario that Sharp Clark laid out where the Niners run away with it. I kind of like CMC the most in lineups where I'm kind of light on this game. Cause like you said, if this game is close and goes under and is kind of low scoring, I think it's just a lot of CMC. That's fair. Um, are, are there any super deep dart throws you like in this game? I, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of all of the 49ers just cause they're going to be low owned. I, I think, Brock Purdy in that scenario I laid out will be the contrarian um, quarterback because he, and he also gives you a contrarian build with his salary. Um, Elijah Mitchell and 49ers defense are probably my favorite ones. I like you, you like Quez Watkins, I guess. Yeah. Only because I like the Eagle side and the, the receivers we mentioned earlier is how you attack the 49ers. So just given the, Big picture discussion of Dallas Goddard being the highest roster tight end, in my opinion. Quiz is a good pivot off of him. Plus, he's a you know five to eight percent player in a in a two game slate with a stacking potential with Jalen Hurts. Best way to approach this game: um, Eagles um, triples with a single bring back, throwing Quez there if you want to get contrarian. Um, go very light with maybe just CMC and one or two Eagles. Um, even if you, even if it does include Jalen or as sharp Clark laid out in a Niners runaway, which I, I just think people aren't going to be playing that uh, lineup construction much Purdy, one or two running backs, one 
pass catcher 49ers defense might be my favorite build of the week um let's go on to game number two this game is crazy because obviously we're all monitoring uh patrick mahomes ankle and as we have followed his ankle so has the betting lines chiefs came out as the favorites Bengals got up to two and a half point favorites now it is back to chiefs minus one and a half over under 48 and a half um before we get into it just tell me about how you feel about mahomes and how you feel about this betting line and if it's going to hit the over or the under we do know a syndicate in vegas actually took the chiefs at the best number possible before Wednesday's practice, which is probably just tells us they had a little bit of information and thus they knew the line was going to move since Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to be DMP. So I don't look too much into that fact. But it's interesting because everyone continues saying, oh, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy and whatnot, that is true. But honestly, like Lou Anarumo has has halted Patrick Mahomes, you know, relative to Mahomes' upside in the past anyways. Like, Mahomes completed 59% of his passes against the Bengals earlier this year. Uh, he held, uh, The Bengals held Josh Allen to under 60% of his passes completed last week. Like the Bengals defense hasn't played anyone. No one's played anyone in the NFL because we've had so many bad quarterbacks. But when they played above average competition, Lamar Jackson included um, only completed 59% of his passes. They've done a really good job. And so that's why I kind of lean – Eagles 49ers, especially in a DFS conversation where we're saying where is ownership going? Because I really think there's a great chance, even if Patrick Mahomes healthy, that this game goes significantly under. Mahomes has an eclipse 275 yards in, in the last three games against the Bengals, AFC championship game included. His his prop did open at 273 and a half, and it has since been steamed up to 286, I'm assuming for health. But I still consider 286 a pretty Oh, strong, like overconfident number given his history here and how well the Bengals have played against him. So I, I knowing they're going to get the the Chiefs all their Jags back, just a bunch of guys running around who probably won't matter, but everyone's going to sprinkle in and keep playing Kadarius Tony and Joe Jody Fordson and Clyde Edwards Lair. The list goes on and on because good luck trying to figure out that situation because they really are all darts. Um I just don't I don't know genuinely. It's crazy to say this, but I don't know if Patrick Mahomes has the upside in this game. The the thing that I wrote up in my um article on the slate is that if we're going to go heavy on the early game, I think it makes most sense to be on Bengals to fill out the rest of your lineup for two reasons. One, because of what you stated, because of how the Bengals defense is played. Two, we have to factor in the chance that Mahomes reaggravates his ankle. And whether that means he doesn't play the rest of the game or he's out for multiple series like we saw um, last week, that really impacts it. And I think the obviously if uh, early game onslaught, whether we're on the Eagles or 49ers side of it, is going to win a tournament, we most likely need this game to go under. And if this game goes under, it's probably because the Bengals are winning, not because the Chiefs are winning. Um, so I, I think that's how you apply what you think is going to happen to our lineup builds. The other thing that I, I think we uh, take from Mahomes' ankle injury is I it, I think it sets up two very distinct um, offenses for the Chiefs. Uh, Nate Taylor, who's the Chiefs writer for The Athletic, laid out uh, a game plan that the 49ers were implementing if Mahomes is really struggling on that ankle. And basically, it was a lot more 12 personnel, which means more Noah Gray, um, 
more rushes for Isaiah Pacheco, which will help alleviate some pressure off of Mahomes, and more jet sweeps and screens to the Kadarius Tonys, still involving Jarek McKinnon, which I think two running backs is viable. And if Mahomes is feeling good on his ankle, in this week 13 game against the Bengals, rewinding back a few weeks, Mahomes had his highest average target depth of the season, 10.5 yards um, average throw depth. So more likely to go downfield, more likely to take longer drops, to sit in that pocket, to scramble around a little bit more. So it really does change the scope of who is in play, depending on how you think Mahomes is going. If Mahomes is feeling healthy, it puts the MVS type um, more in play. If he is dinking and dunking and trying to get it out quick, it's more Juju. Um probably more Pacheco because he's going to get more runs. I think Jarek McKinnon is in play no matter what, but um, two really distinct game plans, which I think is an interesting way to think about it and how you think about Mahomes' ankle and really just building differently depending on if he does feel good or, or if he doesn't. Yeah, and it's it's just interesting because uh, Jarek McKinnon did out-snap Isaiah Pacheco 24-9 to in the second half, which makes me kind of want to push back on the Isaiah Pacheco being. Oh, like, I think, I think McKinnon's the best running back play on the slate. Okay, good, good. Because regardless, I, I'm just saying if 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 uh, Mahomes is really struggling, then they they're kind of like force their hand a little bit and and give Pacheco some more carries. Yeah, and see, I actually think like that's why I like McKinnon more because if McKinnon if if Mahomes is struggling, I almost think they still trust. McKinnon more based on that second half usage whenever Mahomes is injured because Pacheco cannot block McKinnon is their best pass blocking back. Uh, so I would actually expect him to be in significantly more than Pacheco and that carries narrative to sort of die out. That's the way I'm looking at it, honestly. And so, yeah, I, I love, I mean, how can you not, especially after a zero catch game, it's just like the ultimate easy bounce back spot for McKinnon. Yeah, for me, healthy um, Mahomes equals McKinnon by himself dominating. Uh, struggling Mahomes means I have McKinnon and Pacheco lineups together um, possibly in play. Not a lot of them, but if I'm playing you know, 20 lineups, maybe I have one or two McKinnon and Pacheco lineups together, one or two CMC and Elijah Mitchell lineups together. Um, also, uh, more on the Chiefs side, I mean, um, again, if, if you think Mahomes is hobbled, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. If you uh, think he is rolling out and extending plays, uh, I, I do like MVS as my dart throw. In this week, 13 game, led the team in targets, uh, tied for the team in leading targets, led them in receiving yards, led them in the air yards. See, everyone's like, I, I think I have Kadarius Tony like around 15 to 20%. If a player gets steamed, I think he, he is the one just because people are enamored by his efficiency. I think the like, crazy two game slate dart throw is Noah Gray again, because uh, they, they've been really efficient out of 12 personnel. They just haven't used it a ton. And if, if they are trying to protect Mahomes more, another thing that Nate Taylor laid out is more of that 12 personnel. So if we get um, Noah Gray playing, I don't know, 55 or 60% in snaps, he was second on the team in air yards last week. Granted, it was only two targets, but if you're using a tight end, that's going to give you a, a 16 yard average depth of target. Like, that's a that's a pretty good uh, dart throw for like a twenty yard touchdown. 
Travis Kelsey is also in a conversation of his own just because he's so expensive. Uh, it's hard on FanDuel, man. That 8,200 stands out. It's so, so hard. Mm-hmm. You can make it hit up on DraftKings, but I, I do almost think it's a situation where I don't mind fading Travis Kelsey at his salary and given what he's still going to carry after having a unsustainable 45.9% target share last week, 14 catches. The rest of the Chiefs had 13 catches combined. Uh, any other defensive coordinator outside of Mike Caldwell does something in the second half, stops Travis Kelsey. I expect Lou Anaruma to. I expect them to double him, bracket him, limit him exponentially. Maybe gets maybe Kelsey gets a touchdown, but honestly, if I'm looking at a, let's just say, five for 60 game from Kelsey, that's not worth playing in a two-game slate, in my opinion. I'd much rather chase a touchdown or bust option, like a Noah Gray, like a Jody Fordson if he's active. Um, you know, Hayden Hurst will probably be quite popular given his reception floor, but even I don't mind that. So that's kind of where I look as opposed to Travis Kelsey in this slate, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Travis Kelsey, again, we're, we're thinking about in terms of how we are constructing our lineups relative to um, game flow, not necessarily just projection. So I think the most obvious non-Kelsey lineups, um, definitely if, if you have a double KC running back build, um, that seems pretty obviously a non-Kelsey lineup. Um, for both of them to get there, the running backs probably need to dominate touchdowns. Um, maybe even need Mahomes to steal a rushing touchdown that, that doesn't go to Kelsey, which might otherwise. And then I, I do like Kelsey. Obviously, if, if I am going to roll out Mahomes onslaughts, um, if Mahomes goes bonkers, probably uh, uh, Kelsey doesn't get held in check. So I, I'm probably not withholding um, him from my onslaughts if there is a player that i I like fading again i I don't have really high ownership on uh kadarius tony but i have i'm I'm scared that we even though we have him at 15 ish to 20 percent we get here on uh sunday afternoon and it's 29 percent or something stupid he he's already just a gadget player and if you add Nicole hardman back in the mix and it really sounds like michael hardman is going to be good to go like we're those gadget Big. touches are what Hardman yeah. had in the past. So now right. best case scenario, we're looking at them vulturing one another and it's just not worth it. And probably given the slate, like whoever scores the scratch off touchdown for the chiefs is going to be in the winning lineup. You mentioned MBS. Um, I, it's just so hard. There's like no reason to pick any of them. You're just literally chasing yeah. a touchdown is all you're doing. Absolutely. Um, on the Bengals side, I mean, Bengals onslaughts are probably the most obvious play. Uh, Burrow has the best on paper matchup. Uh, Chiefs finished 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. The only other positional matchup in the uh, bottom 10 was that 49ers versus wide receivers. Every other defense 21st or better against every other position. So, uh, Bengals obviously have a great matchup. Obviously, clicking on all cylinders, been the most, uh, the highest passing rate over expectation over the last six weeks, including the playoffs. Burrow going to be the most popular quarterback. Jamar Chase going to be the most popular receiver. T. Higgins at significantly lower salary than Jamar on both sides, going to be nipping at Jamar in terms of ownership. Just by default, because there's only four games, Joe Mixon will get like 50% um, ownership because there's only so much running back ownership to go around. Hayden Hurst will be way more popular than George Kittle. Uh, So when we are on the Bengals side, I mean, the only way I see to get unique is to throw Tyler 
Boyd or Samaje Pirine in the mix. Samaje Pirine, 75% of third down um, snaps in the playoffs, just 12% behind Mixon in terms of total snaps. Although Mixon is way out carrying Pirine, they're basically even in the passing game and Pirine's getting the third down work. Oh, Tyler Boyd's one of my favorite plays of the entire slate. I mean, he's the he's like the sub twenty percent play on the slate, right? Like he's the only reliable sub twenty percent play. His his last time to reach sixty yards, which was the only time he's reached sixty yards receiving in his last ten games, was this matchup in Week Thirteen against the Chiefs. And remember, he dropped a, a wide open touchdown in that game. So, like the upside is absolutely there. Chiefs are top five in yards per target allowed to slot receivers, where Boyd has run eighty eight percent of his routes since Jamar Chase returned in Week Week Thirteen. So, yeah, Boyd. I mean, I think it's just an awesome play, even if this were. Um, like a divisional round slate with four different games going on. What's interesting is that I know people are going to play T Higgins for the ceiling outcome and that's totally fine. But dude, since Jamar Chase returned from injury in week 13, it has been all him. He's averaged 12 and a half targets per game, a 31.7% target share. Meanwhile, in that time, T Higgins has only a 17.8% target share. Um, Hurst, the floors there because he has he's had at least four catches in every game since he returned from injury in week 18 also at least five targets in every game in this three contest sample but overall like this offense in getting rid of the ball quickly that's what they've done the last month to negate pass rush that's what happened against the bills joe burrow got rid of the ball in 2.3 seconds from snap to throw um that's why also he was only hit three times, didn't take a single sack. When he held onto the ball longer, even against the Bills, he was awesome. Six of 12 for two touchdowns and no picks on throws 10 yards downfield. But that's why I also think like the way the Bengals are scheming their offense into gates, Chris Jones and the Chiefs pass rush. Uh, but also that gives players like Samaji Piran, to your point, and Hayden Hurst higher floors, Jamar Chase higher floors, since they are feeding him with a lower A dot the last month. Um, since he's the constant, they get involved no matter what because he's Jamar freaking Chase. And then, yeah, T. Higgins may be available for a Papa shot here and there, but the the floor, which, you know, we're not concerned about a floor in a two-game slate, but it's still a, a bit disastrous taking an egg if you're trying to, you know, onslaught the Bengals, which a lot of people are doing. So I agree with you. Boyd, Pirine, given that the Chiefs are second in receptions per game allowed to running backs. Uh, Pirine also... To point out, he's out snapped Joe Mixon 20 to 5 on third and fourth down in the playoffs. He's run more routes than Mixon in back to back games. P. Ryan is unequivocally the team's passing, pass catching back, like they're passing down back. And thus, we're expecting them to yet again have like three to five catches in this game. If that's the case, again, I'm chasing receptions among running backs here because uh, I don't even expect Joe Mixon to have success. The Bengals couldn't run the ball. Um, prior to last week. Like Joe Mixon, that was only the second game he went over 100 yards. I am not scared of a Joe Mixon 100-yard game in this contest. And if that's the case, again, I'm just trying to find reception. So P. Ryan, absolutely, I would play him. Yeah, the again, the, the Bengals onslaughts are going to be the most popular build. They have the highest cumulative pass game ownership on both sides by a pretty wide margin. Jamar Chase is perfectly good chalk i mean on these short slates um you know like ownership is obviously important but the, we're thinking about more combinations and game flows and except for these super dart throws um uh, i think something like leaving salary on the table might even be more important than cumulative ownership on a two-game slate so i i think chase is fine my, my point is i think probably my favorite way if i'm doubling joe burrow um 
actually, I should say, if I'm leaving a player off for Tyler Boyd, it's going to be T. Higgins or Hayden Hurst, even though Jamar Chase is, is way more expensive. I want to make sure I have Chase with Tyler Boyd. Um, you kind of answered this question already, but in the event that we're building around the Bengals passing game not going off, are you more likely to build around a Mixon, like just Mixon by himself, um, Chiefs uh, defense, or Chiefs blowout? Chiefs defense, even though I think Chiefs defense will probably be higher roster than 49ers defense. I'm still trying to oh, find they a will. way. Oh, they will. They will. Yeah, I'm still will trying to find a way defense. to play defense on this freaking slate because I hate all the yeah. options. Um, uh, and, and Eagles are going to be the highest rostered, so I, I don't know what to do just yet. Uh, but I would definitely be just chasing, given that I, I do expect the game to go under personally. could be wrong, but um, I would be chasing the reception. So if that's the case, then I'm not worried about the ceiling players and their performances like T. Higgins. I'm more trying to get those five catches from Hayden Hurst, five catches from Samaji Pirine, like 10 catches for Jamar Chase. That's what I'm kind of going for if I'm uh, avoiding the Bengal stacks. Yeah, if I'm avoiding the Bengal stacks, I think something like, like Chiefs defense and Jamar makes makes sense because like Chiefs defense probably has a good game and then they're they're forced to throw a bunch and, and Jamar just racks up the volume. So if I'm fading Bengals stacks, I think I still probably play Jamar um, by himself quite a bit. I think another um, game flow just to to really um, or not even a game flow, but just a a roster construction to consider is just a super light chiefs or a full chiefs fade with the Bengals defense. Again, if we go with a Jalen hurts onslaught, or if we go with that 49ers build that I talked about earlier, um, I, I think a couple Bengals players with the Bengals defense is, is really nice for the reasons you laid out. And I mean, the, the chance that that injury was so looked so brutal and, and it seems like he keeps getting better every day, but I mean, if there's a player that has a re-aggravation um, worry, I mean, it, it's Kelsey as much as we, we've had in any game. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Mahomes, not Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Um, any any um, final thoughts on the slate? Again, really important that we're just kind of thinking around game flow. Um, any final thoughts? Um, uh, Want to reiterate your, your big dart throws? I would definitely be overweight on... Quez Watkins and or Tyler Boyd. I think those are my conf most confident darts. You mentioned Noah Gray, even though we are watching the Jody Fortson um, activation. If he's yeah. activated from IR, he may make a difference there, even though we are expecting this team to run more 12 personnel. They, they called 12 personnel in 19 snaps last week, 28% of their snaps, which would have ranked third highest on the year, and they passed from 14 of those 19 snaps. So it's definitely a two-tight-end set offense because they can't, like play Kadarius Tony, McCole Hardman. They can't play these guys full time because they're not like helping out the team whatsoever. So I don't, I definitely don't mind Noah Gray. Um, and yeah, those, those are, and Samaji P. Ryan. I think those are my four darts where I'm trying to find the right combination of mixing them in. Yeah. My darts are um, all of the um, contrarian onesies in one lineup Purdy, Kittle, Niners defense in the same lineup together. Um, and then two running back builds, uh, running back uh, builds with CMC and Elijah Mitchell together and builds with Isaiah Pacheco and uh, Jarek McKinnon together. I think that's a fun way to try to get um, unique uh, this weekend. I like it. 
All right, that uh, does it for the championship round. As always, if you are a DFS subscriber, uh, we will be in the Discord through kickoff on Sunday. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, uh, might as well just sign up for for the betting sub for 19 bucks and get access to all of the betting that the guys will be doing through the Super Bowl, including other sports like golf and NBA. If you would like us to give us a um, end of season thank you, if you enjoyed what we've been doing, uh, just like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, give us a five-star rating and review. As I mentioned, that does it for DFS MVP for the season. As always, we appreciate everybody that's listened even once all year. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. The betting guys will still be on podcasts. We still have some uh, most accurate podcasts, um, and we are not far away from best ball season, so we're taking a break, but uh, we will be back in some capacity probably before you guys are even ready for us. So uh, thanks again for another great season. If you miss us and want some more of us, you can find us on Twitter, Daigle at not Jay Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez, 4 for 4 is at 4 for 4 football. Good luck in the championship round. Talk to you guys, uh, I don't know when, a few months. Who the hell knows?